Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you are just now walking into work or otherwise have to step away from the radio, you don't have to miss out on Detroit Today. You can go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, download and subscribe to Detroit Today. You can take us wherever you go, and you can listen to us when you are ready. Also, a small program note. If you haven't gotten enough of me by the end of the show today, you can stay tuned to On Point, the show that follows Detroit today. I will be part of the news panel for that show as well today from 10 to 11. A little later in this show, we're going to talk with Tia Miles, who's a history professor at the University of Michigan and author of the Dawn of Detroit, a chronicle of slavery and freedom in the city of the Straits. She has taken a deep dive into the role that slavery played uh, in early Detroit and shaping the early economy here uh, all the way back to the early 1700s. You're going to definitely want to stay tuned for that conversation. It will be a very interesting look at where we have been in this city and country and where we are now. But up front, it is Friday, opposite day as we call it here on Detroit Today. We usually try to invite somebody in who sits across the political spectrum or otherwise sees the world a little differently than I do. And in the role this week is Matt Marsden, who's the co-founder of Rev6 Data Systems. He was the spokesperson for former state Senate Majority Leader Mike Bishop and someone I used to see a lot uh, in that role. But it's been many years now since we had to or had a chance to talk to each other. So, Matt, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. It's good to be here again and see you again. I, Like I said, I've haven't sat across from you in a, <laughs> since an editorial board with the yeah, while well, working for a candidate. So I appreciate right. you having me here. No, today. that's right. It's been it's definitely been a while. I want to start, Matt, with uh, with a PR question uh, or a PR subject. President Trump went to Puerto Rico this week in the wake of Hurricane Maria, and one of the images that got broadcast all over the world was of him tossing rolls of paper towels to people, I guess, who didn't have paper towels uh, in in Puerto Rico. And he, he took a lot of flack for that. I mean, it, it, it seemed sort of, I guess, trivial or flip to people who feel like uh, the folks in Puerto Rico are really suffering. As somebody who advised, you know, politicians on how to handle Things like this. I mean, we never had a hurricane here in in, in Michigan <laughs> right. while you were uh, working with Mike Bishop. But I mean, there are always these questions about sort of disaster PR and how you react and how you look empathetic, which I think is what the president was trying to do <laughs> in that case. But that you sometimes come off looking pretty distant and cold, pretty horrible. Yeah, um, and yeah. unpresidential, yeah. Uh, unacceptable. <laughs> Not something that anybody should be doing in a situation of that nature. Yeah, I think that it uh, it, it, it it lends itself to what his entire presidency has been mired in, which is this inability to relate to people on the ground. You don't throw a paper towel. In a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a commonwealth of the United States, and, and, and Puerto Rico's troubles are so severe and have been so severe, let's face it, I mean, they've, they've been on the brink of, uh, you know, they're, un, they're an unincorporated territory for the United States, mm-hmm. and uh, they've, they've been on the brink of, of uh, financial collapse for years. They needed help anyway. To go down there and sit and say, uh, you're blowing a hole in the budget, 
Uh, I'm going to throw a paper towel at you. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't necessarily have enough water. Um, We see the Flint mayor um, who's, you know, coming out strongly uh, against the president's uh, position for not delivering enough water. And and if there's a city that that, that knows that better than anybody, it's Flint. Um, He's picking a fight with the mayor of San Juan, but he he stands on the side of being a state rights president. You know, (laughs) none of it makes any sense. And here 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 is Puerto Rico, who has a member of, of, of Congress who can't vote. Uh, much like you know the Washington D.C. member, mm-hmm. so they have no ability except to stand on the House floor uh, and affect any real change. Um, and I think that sometimes he has a tendency to be flippant when he goes into areas that are not of voter value to him. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you have to advise somebody how to do these things, what is it? What are some of the things you talk about? What are some of the things you try to sort of impress upon them about? image, not just what you say, but how it appears you're sort of interacting with with people. I think that that, a lot of that responsibility uh, for that in this particular instance with with the president or even in some other areas is is, is it starts with your advanced staff. Mm -hmm. It starts with those folks that are on the ground two and three weeks before that are saying, listen, here we have a guy that is known to be reckless and at times you know, just outlandish in terms of what he's going to say or do. Let's not put him in an environment where he's able to do anything like throw paper towel at people. Somebody on staff should have said, listen, he's in a mood today or he's (laughs) in one of his places. Let's let's not put him into a situation with cameras there that he's going to be able to Throw paper towel over a crowd. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean that that that's the first immediate thing that one would do to, to, to stop the behavior. You're never going to be able to stop any elected official from saying something stupid, or or <laughs> or, or or you know putting you in a position as a PR person or as a staff person in a very difficult position to clean up or fix. Mm-hmm. The best thing you can do is preemptive and don't put him in a situation where he's going to be able to throw paper towel around or get in a cat fight with the with with the mayor. Right. Well, I mean, he's had a hard time with this the entire time he's been president and I I often wonder now whether it's that he doesn't have people around him who are giving him good advice or whether he's getting good advice and just saying, well, I, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do whatever it is that I, that I decide to do. I, I found that there are two different kinds of politicians. There are the politicians that you can listen, that will listen to you and hear you after you've developed the relationship of trust. Um, and, and begrudgingly at times, whether it be uh, the former Congressman Joe Schwartz or, you know, Randy Richardville or many of the folks that, that, that I've had the pleasure of serving with, some of them go along easier than others. Yeah. And some will tell you, no, I'm not going to do that. And I think in, 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 in sometimes it's warranted. But in his instance, I think, A, it's a combination. It's the worst case scenario. He's not getting the right advice because he hasn't hired any real staffers because no real staffers really want to work for him. Yeah. And number two, you you believe that's that's I believe that's in part part and part. So I think he's got I think he's got some good people. I think the generals around him, I think that his chief of staff and I think that some of the former military folks that are serving now feel an obligation to the country and are giving him the best example. Uh, advice they can, uh-huh. but 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 from from a lower level staff of scheduling in advance, the, 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 these are these are positions that you know you go back to past administrations to find people that know how to do it. Right. And I don't think he's getting that. He's not getting. No. There's nobody from either Bush administration, which nope. would be the two most recent. Just Republican look at his backdrops. His back. I mean, when you we used to do visuals for George W. Bush, uh-huh. you know, it was very scripted, very set up. And we knew that there were certain things we needed to control in order to help him, right? We didn't do certain things 
that would put him in a situation. Put him in a bad situation. Exactly. Yeah. Now, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. It's Friday, opposite day here on Detroit Today when we invite somebody in who has a different view of the world than I do this week. It's Matt Marsden. He's the co-founder of Rev6 Data Systems. He was the spokesperson for former state Senate Majority Leader Mike Bishop. We are talking about the president's visit to Puerto Rico, throwing paper towels uh, at people there who don't have water or power. How did that look? How did that happen? Why does he continuously seem to find himself in these kinds of situations? We're going to talk a little bit later about uh, the Las Vegas attack and the political and policy fi- fallout from there. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Matt, I, I want to talk to you more broadly about Republicans and Trump. Uh, and as I said, we haven't had a chance to talk in a, in mm-hmm. a long time about things. I am asking all Republicans these days how they are sort of sitting with all of this, right? Uh, where do you find yourself uh, in in agreement with the things that you see coming out of this White House? Where do you find yourself saying, this doesn't make a lot of sense and maybe is dangerous, not just to the party, but to the country? I, I think on a lot of levels. I mean, I, 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 I can't say that there's much I do agree with with the, with the president and, and, and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And as a Republican who has been accused over my tenure of serving moderates and rhinos <laughs> and um, many other so-called liberal members of the Republican Party, uh, the reality is, is that there's not a whole lot of good that's happening right now in Washington under this administration. It's rather dysfunctional. I mean, uh, it's 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 sad um, to see Senator John McCain with you know some of these these individuals that really to me represented the old guard of the mm-hmm. party mm-hmm. Um, falling ill and 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 um, so I, I think you're, you're, you're we're going to have to see a change in in things mm-hmm. um, because I I can't see a whole lot of good that has happened a lot of infighting. He hasn't been able to get a lot done. He hasn't been able to get anything he done. He can't work with Congress. He's, he's And Congress doesn't seem to want to work with him. Yeah. And we have we have, you know, uh, Congressman Trot who's who's retiring saying basically I, I I'm tired of it. Yeah. Um you've got other members of Congress that are saying what is I'm not this isn't for me. So I, I you know I, I wish that I could be on opposite sides with you. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, but, Here's some place we agree. But, but, but we're going to agree that it's things are not good right now. Yeah. So. I, I also am asking Republicans these days what what makes them Republican. I think we're in a we're in a sort of place where we're rethinking all of these terms and all of these categories we put ourselves in. Um, why do you consider yourself? A Republican or a conservative, and what and why does that why does that sort of conflict with what Donald Trump is doing? I'm not so sure I do or have. I mean, I would I would say that I'm having left state government and gone into the data business. I become agnostic when it comes to politics <laughs> in a yeah. form because yeah. we serve you know a, a different constituency of politics mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of folks uh, that would, would would say I'm falling into the category of being an independent. I'm not going to pick. I'm not going to make decisions based on a party label. I'm going to make decisions based on what I think is best for the community, what I think is best for the for the country, what I think is best for the world. And, and it may not always fit a label. It may not always fit mm-hmm. that brand. Mm-hmm. And I think that hopefully maybe what we're going to see coming soon because of maybe this, this 
this Trump presidency and mm-hmm. other things is a little less uh, loyalty to a simple <laughs> brand of a party and maybe a little bit more thought given to, um, you know, I'm, on this issue, I, I fall here. I mean, you and I probably agree on more than we would disagree on, to right. be honest with you. Right. Uh, and and um, I think that uh, if we stop looking at it from the Democrat and liberal and conservative and Republican and maybe just say, well, how about we discuss the issues and we force these people just to, to just to, you know, discuss issues based on whether or not you're elected. I think we'd be better off. Now, yeah. that's idealistic. <laughs> and, 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 and uh, We've but, never managed to, to accomplish that as but, a country, have we? <laughs> no, we haven't. But we, what one can aspire to. Yeah. And, and I think that maybe there's there's some hope that some of this discord that's being born of, of, of the this function that's happening, uh, m- maybe we'll make some people rethink you know, be, being so blindly loyal to a party. Yeah. Um, but now you're always going to have your party wackos. I mean, they're <laughs> you know you go to go to any convention, right. but on either side of the aisle, <laughs> right. and you're going to find the true believers that have drank the Kool Aid. Sure. But but uh, it's the center of the road and the middle of the road people um, that, that 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 I I I hope that, uh, see a different route. Yeah. Than, than well, what about your former boss, uh, Mike Bishop? He was Senate Majority Leader when you worked. <laughs> Uh, for him, a, a pretty partisan guy in in Lansing. I remember the the conflicts he had <laughs> with with the governor at the time, Jennifer Indeed. Granholm. I uh-huh. mean, uh, uh, I, I can remember you guys in my ear a lot about that. I remember her in my ear a lot about that. Uh, now he's in Congress and and still sort of in that pretty pretty hard partisan position. Um, yes, uh, the, the, the grant at that at that time it was important to remember that we we were the loyal opposition. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Republican Senate was was the only uh, Republican chamber. Uh, the, right, the, because the, the Democrats, Democrats still had the, had the House. The Democrats had the governor's office. So, in part and parcel, our job was to play the role of stopping what needed to be stopped. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a cantankerous time. I, I'm, I'm sure there's no love lost for for, for <laughs> the former governor Granholm and myself. And and and, and uh, but 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 I always found uh, Congressman Bishop to be pragmatic and reasonable. And while yes, you know there are things that have to be done politically in order to um, satisfy your base, if you will, yeah. and and to win those primaries and and continue to maintain office. Sometimes you have to take positions. Um, that that seemed to be far to the right, but um, you know, Mike has always been you know f- fairly reasonable in terms of of when you when we would go to him and say I, we get it the party wants this da 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 da, but this be, that being said this is what's best for the state mm-hmm. this is what's best for your constituency he would listen. And, and 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 I think you can remember there were some times he bent on some things sure. that, he, that he you know the party probably didn't want him to yeah um, but it was good for him and I and I don't know that he's taken any real hardline approaches to, to, to votes in Congress as, as of yet except for the fact that he really should have been taking those town hall meetings and and yeah. listening to people being upset too. he absolutely should have and, and I would have no problem telling that to him if he was sitting across from me now I yeah. mean you, if you're gonna go to Congress and you're gonna serve the people then you have an obligation to sit in front of them and hear them out in person whether you like it or not and sometimes they're gonna scream at you sometimes they're gonna say nasty and that's, things and that's, but that's you took the job, the job right? that's, you took the job I have, sort of have a similar job. <laughs> I'm sure you do. I know. I'm in fact, I know you do. Right. <laughs> I'm sure you get yelled at much more than Mike Bishop does. Yeah, I think that's actually probably true. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. My guest is Matt Marsden, co-founder of Rev Six Data Systems. He was the spokesperson for former State Senate Majority Leader 
Mike Bishop. We are wrapping up the week's news. If you want to talk about President Trump's visit to Puerto Rico, talk about the Republican Party and Trump, an ongoing narrative in the country right now, or in a little bit, we're going to talk about the Las Vegas attack and the political and policy fallout from there. Let's go to Charlie in Detroit. Charlie, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you. Good morning. Hey, how are um, you? Probably get investigated by the FBI, and I don't know how many other federal agencies, but... Yeah, be careful like their, there, Charlie. <laughs> like their Secretary of State, I'll just say it, he's a moron. This, this president is a disaster for our country. Um, it's taken us down internally in our, in our world, standing externally. I mean, to, to, to throw paper towels at citizens, probably some of whom elected him, um, you know, during a disaster. I mean, the, the man can't be handled. Um, he, he's just, he's a disaster. And I mean, I seriously question if our country can recover from this. I hope it can. Um, but I'm, I'm half embarrassed to be a citizen of this country. Yeah. I mean, I thought people were elected not just to represent the interests of their parties, uh, but, but the citizens. Right. Right. No, Charlie, I, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people feel that way. way. Um, you know, one of the things, Matt, that I that I am trying really hard to come to terms with or to understand right now is how he got elected and why the people who supported him. What is it about the current state of politics? What is it about the current state of the economy? What is it about the current state of the culture that drove them to vote for a guy who I think it was pretty clear during the campaign, wasn't terribly qualified for the job, <laughs> yeah. didn't have the temperament for the job or the patience. Uh, but, but you know, if you take him out of the equation, there's something very real about how those folks feel. And I don't know that it's as simple as we have been trying to make it. I think there's a really complicated web of issues that uh, that are lurking there. I think there's a, a, a great deal of issues. I think First and foremost, as it, as it is relevant to the state of Michigan, uh, I, I have a hard time saying that he won the state of Michigan. I, I really would have to say, with all due respect, that the state of Michigan was lost by by Hillary by, Clinton. By Clinton. I mean, you can't ignore Michigan. You can't ignore Pennsylvania. You can't ignore Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. You cannot not come into those places. And you know, I know that their campaign was being told. You need to do every things. day. Every day, they were told, and they didn't listen. And so, when you win a state by 0.002 percent, give or take a decimal point here or there, it's not so much that you won the state; it's that somebody lost the state. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that happened, and that pattern happened in other critical key areas. And when you take these rural, um, red-leaning states, if you will you know, the southern block of state, it doesn't take much to add up that if you're, if you're ignoring some of these areas of urban population where people are disenfranchised and frustrated. I mean, you think back to that time, people were worried about getting water in Flint, mm -hmm. right? They weren't worried about necessarily who was going to be the president. There are all kinds of different things, apathy. And I think really it's just sort of sometimes hits this strange period of time where everybody was just sort of in a mood. One side was just sort of ah blah, I don't, you know, <laughs> and 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 some of those other folks said, well, we we got to have a change. We've got it. We can't have any more of this Barack Obama eight years. And so I am going to just pick somebody, and I don't, I'm not really going to give too much thought to it as to whether or not this is the right person. Uh, I just want change. And you know what he says, 
flips the bird to, to, to the establishment, and I'm just feeling that. And that's how myself, I feel. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then now I, it would be interesting to go back and see how much buyer's remorse there is. Yeah. And I think there's a lot more buyer's remorse uh, on their decision to su- support somebody or stay home. Yeah, no, I think I, I'm. I think I'm hearing that from from an awful lot of people as well. Carmen, who uh, could not stay on the line, says the adage that Democrats fall in love and Republicans fall in line was sure true in this election. That's a great uh, observation yeah. there, Carmen. Uh, the difference between the two parties. Okay, Matt, I want to change the subject here and talk about the Las Vegas attack. It plunges us back into the argument, the long argument we've had about gun control, whether whether gun control uh, can prevent these kinds of things, whether it's something we should do uh, to prevent all the other kinds of uh, gun mischief that we see uh, in in American culture, just uh, quickly tell me tell me what you what, what you think about all that. I think that um, this is a, an opportunity here for for the first bipartisan action um, by the, by Congress and, and to support the end of the bump stock. Uh-huh. I, I think that that's the fastest route by which we're going to see any gun control in a very long time. Yeah. I think you and I can agree that there's no way we're ever going to get back into an assault rifle ban, a semi-automatic ban. But see, why do you think to. that's true? Because I don't believe that the, 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 that the Republican side of the party is going to go too far in terms of allowing um, the wishes of the NRA to not to to to, to, to be. To, to be gone against. Yeah. And I think that in the short term, uh, a, a fix to this where the Republicans can actually say they've done something and something that I think is everybody can agree with is we don't, anything that goes, yeah. it doesn't need right. to be happening right. it, it, and it should be banned. And it, it's, e- it's an easy way for a step. But let me, let me preface this by saying, I think that you have to have a first step on gun control. And if the bump stock ban becomes the first step in a larger conversation on gun control and we can show bipartisan action on it, I think that it's a good thing and it should be done. Now, what I don't want to see is Trump to come out and try and take credit for some bipartisan action on, <laughs> on it, which I think, you know, he, he will try. He will do, yeah. But, but, but remember, it was a congressman in Florida that has introduced the original legislation on the, our side mm-hmm. um, to, to, to ban the bump uh, stock, and I think this mechanism will be banned, and I think that this is, this is such a hot-button issue and always has been, yeah. and it does need to be explored. So let's use this opportunity and I'm speaking from a political re- reality standpoint. Right, it's right. It's very difficult to get Republicans to engage in sweeping changes on something like gun control. Yeah. Incremental changes is good. Uh, I mean, if you think, though, about where you might go after bump stock, does it make sense to say semi-automatic weapons are not legal? I mean, I, I have always, I've always wondered what the, the, the sort of reasonable use <laughs> I don't is of a semi-automatic weapon. I mean, I, you know, and we have this ar- argument all the time about what the Second Amendment says and what it doesn't say. But I, as I see it right now, we're, we're living in, a, in a, uh, a situation where the words well-regulated and militia have absolutely no meaning mm-hmm. in the law, which I don't think makes any sense, right? They mean something. Uh, I think we ought to have that debate. Um, but, you know, is it is it possible to get to a space where we're actually talking about this in uh, in reasonable terms? I don't know. I mean, look, let's look at the young man that was in the free press yesterday from from Warren. Mm-hmm. Who, here he is shot. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, re- the response back is not, you know, I want to discuss gun <laughs> rights. It's that it was not the gun that shoots people. It's people. That shoot people, it, sure. Right. I mean, so here we have a victim mm-hmm. of this very shooting. 
basically not interested in having a conversation about guns. And then we turn our to the, to, the, to your last question about why did Trump win and what states did he win in? These are individuals that fundamentally, being from the time they're raised, guns are an issue. It's I think part it's just their, part of their their, their life. And yeah. while you and I agree, there's no need for a semi-automatic rifle. We have to look at the fact that some of these folks' background and how they look at things is. If you come for one gun, you're going to come from for, for them all. Right. And and right. I don't know how we I don't know how you how you talk hard to logically to somebody yeah. about that if yeah. that's their position. You know, I wonder. I, I had a conversation with your old boss, uh, Mike Bishop, after the shooting at the the practice Which the ball was, field in Washington. Yeah. Um, and he was really shaken. I yes. Mean, and, he and was shaken. He's someone I've known, like we said, for for some time. I've talked to him a number of times. He sounded fundamentally different uh, on the phone with me during that interview than he ever has before. And he said something that stuck in my mind, and he said, everything is different after this. And I, I don't know what he meant, and I didn't, I didn't want to make too big a deal of it because I knew he was sort of in right. shock, and right. maybe it was just a reaction, an emotional reaction to what had happened. But I do wonder whether something like this recalls for him that incident on the on the baseball field and maybe makes him think differently about his position on guns. And I can't speak for him, obviously. Sure. I haven't, I, 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 but 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 I but I know him and have the honor of serving him long enough to know that um, I'm sure it is different for him to have ba- to have had bullets pinging off the backstop above sure. my above above his head and and having to see what he saw uh, and to have um, a, you know. A, a member of his leadership team in the hospital for that long, it's got to change. And you know what? It's got to change your mind to watch 50 people in 500 shot in a single evening yeah. and in a single 12 minute span. It's unbelievable. You can't not have a different perspective on things or take a look at it. When you have the NRA even agreeing tacitly to ending, uh, looking at the end of the, the mechanism mm-hmm. that caused this, that, and I don't mean to tri- be trivial about it, but it, it, that's a step Forward. This it's is a huge a, step forward. Th- th- this right? is a, this is a group that never wavers. Right. 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 So I think that w- maybe we are seeing a shift, and yeah. maybe maybe all that. Then it wasn't just Mike Bishop on the, on that field. There were a lot of other There's members a lot of Congress people out there. Right? And so you're very right, Stephen. It, it, it could be that, that that people's perspective have changed, um, and uh, you know, even the president has said, I, "I'm open to a discussion. I just don't want to have the discussion right now." <laughs> right. right. But right. I mean, he has in, in, intimated that he he's. This will be something he's going to look at. And you know what? He's not beyond using this for political purposes, like I said. Right. If he can get a bipartisan deal through Congress that in some way, it, shape, or form resembles gun control, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. It's not it's not the end of the ideal, but it's it's something. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Lindsay in Royal Oak. Lindsay, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Sure. I just wanted to add a little bit to the conversation. Um, I'm a mom of a kindergartner, so I just, you know, I have had... Guns on my mind a lot, mm-hmm. you know, after Sandy Hook. Mm-hmm. And I'm thrilled to see that both uh, Democrats and Republicans are considering prohibiting uh, bump stocks. But I think it's kind of just the beginning of what we need to do. I think we need to look at things that will keep all Americans safe, um, like background checks. I think right now maybe 19 states have them. Uh-huh. So I think we can do a lot more there. Um, and then just looking locally, I think we need to stay really aware of what our legislators are looking at. Um, I know there was a House bill that could be considered this fall, or House or Senate bill, but um, not sure which where it's originated from, but it would be considering allowing people to carry their weapons anywhere, like in schools. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That, for me, doesn't sit well. 
Um, I'm glad that the NRA is thinking about, you know, working towards prohibiting these bump stocks. It's a great start, but I don't want to see people carrying everywhere. You know, I know open carry is allowed in Michigan, but I certainly don't want people carrying guns in, you know, my kids' school, in churches, at concert halls, at bars where there's alcohol. Right. So I think it's it's a nice start, but I think we have a lot more work to do. Uh, Lindsay, I'm glad you called and, and brought up the local context. I mean, we've got this debate going on in Lansing right now about, uh, as you point out, expanding open carry and things like that. It, it all seems pretty incongruous given the, 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 the news this week. So, Lindsay, thanks very much for the call and the comments. Uh, let's take one more call here quickly. Uh, Daniel in Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. Hey, Daniel. Am I on the air? Yeah, you are. <laughs> hey, great. Um, I'm calling. Uh, uh, my my comment today is regarding uh, magazines and the capacity of magazines. It was uh, one of the news reports said that the shooter in Vegas had hundred round magazines stacked up, and there was seventeen in a pile. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I I own an assault rifle, and I have thirty round magazines. And I would gladly give them up today if they said that they were going to limit magazines to 10 rounds or 12 rounds or something. And my my, my real point is that there's been a a number of shooters in the last couple of years that were tackled during reloading. Right. And they were stopped. Mm -hmm. So if this guy was limited to 10 or 12 round magazines, how many less people would he, Could he have, have shot? Killed? That's a Daniel. That's a really, really excellent point. I'm glad you. I'm glad you called and made it. Yeah, um, because, I mean, and I think that's something they should add to the to the discussion. There's another small concession that could be added to the larger right. bump stock. Why should you right. have thirty you bullets? You get many magazine. bullets in a gun for yeah. the love of Pete. Right. I mean, you don't. Right. If you're hunting, you don't need all. No, of that. you're supposed to do it. With, I think with one shot. With one right? shot. <clears throat> Oh, that's right. Okay, Matt Marsden, co-founder of Rev6 Data Systems, former spokesperson for State Senate Majority Leader Mike Bishop. Great to see you again, and thanks for being here. Stephen, thank you for having me. I yeah, appreciate it very wonderful much. Wonderful conversation. Thanks thank very you. much for it. All right, up next, we're going to talk about the legacy of slavery here in Detroit. Lots of things that you may not have thought about in terms of what our history looks like. Stay with us on Detroit Today.